passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, May 29th, 2022. It is the night, it is the morning of, I should say, AWW or nothing, live on pay-per-view. Much drama and things of that nature. Uh, but joining me from my immediate south, uh, we are not in Las Vegas, but we are both located in Buffalo, New York. Uh, it, this is basically a holiday for you, Chris Cullo, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is gardening weekend, I like to call it. <laughs> You're gardening more? What is the latest gardening update? Um, yeah, so what actually uh, I'll be doing here is, uh, I'm hearing myself on reverb, hold on. <laughs> all right, okay, can you hear me now? I can hear you great. Yeah, I had all my tabs muted, but for some reason I still heard myself, so I'll have to. Mm pull some stuff back open there but yeah no uh yeah so this weekend uh we're actually uh i planned a new blackberry bush and a new lavender uh plant and uh we're gonna be doing some tomatoes and peppers and some flowers and all that today so do the do the blackberry plants do they bear fruit in the first year they do well oh well second year for those so but I ordered this plant and it already came with blackberries on it. So I think I'm good to go. Really? I, yeah. Um, but Where usually it's plant from Home Depot, Home Depot. Okay. Yeah. Usually it's about second year for those. Uh, my strawberries though, first year. So I totally recommend to the WrestleNomics listeners get strawberry plants. They'll bear fruit the first year. Wow. Um, Riveting update. Yes. Uh, the edible garden. The side yeah. continues. Edible landscape. Yes. Edible yeah. You landscape. can, hopefully this is the year I get cherries. So is this in your front yard or your yes, backyard? In my front yard. I want to do something different. So like when you go to my front yard, you see some lavender plants and barrels. You'll see uh, grapes growing on a trellis. Uh, you'll trellis. See, yeah. Hopefully the grapes come out this year. You'll see two cherry trees. And then in, in the front where people traditionally have like bushes and flowers, I have two ra- ras or two blackberry plants, a raspberry plant, two blueberry plants and strawberry plants. In front of them. Outstanding. Yeah. So, but Chris yes. calls the update on the, on the garden, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> but it, Hey, it looks like no technical difficulties other than I was hearing myself just a second there, but no technical no, difficulties. No, you're, you're, you're fine. You're fine. We've, uh, we're, we're glad to have you, uh, actually broadcasting through your webcam today. 
Yes. Appreciate that. Uh, everyone, uh, it, was, it was good, you know, mix it up, something different last week with your, uh, your mobile device serving <laughs> as your primary broadcasting uh, medium last week as you uh, uh, summarily and unprofessionally tried to walk out. But, you know, we, we yeah. brought you back to, to the negotiating table. Um, you keep I slammed my webcam right on the table. Yeah, you keep swearing that you're a, you're a YouTube views draw and you're a podcast downloads draw. <laughs> we've, we've seen your passive aggressive tweets and things of that nature. But um, we were yeah, I, calm down. I want quarter uh, hours of WrestleNomics <laughs> whenever I speak yeah. for statistics. They, they send me a – something sends me a, a, a line chart of the uh, – of the viewership. But anyway, enough filibustering. Yes. This isn't in the U.S. Senate. Uh, what are we going to talk about today? Um, well, it is a double or nothing weekend, and we got some double or nothing drama uh, that has followed that. We're also going to talk about money in the bank moving. Um, some, you know, not updates, but some talk about the relationship with uh, Warner, well, Discovery Warner and uh, AEW, and then uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery, yes. And uh, there's a new uh, guy running live events at WWE, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well. Ain't he great? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we will get right into it here. But before first, uh, if you guys want to ask any questions, we do have that super chat function um, just right there in the YouTube stream. There's a little dollar sign. You put your question in there, and the amount that you find substantial for the question and uh we'll ask them throughout the show if it doesn't get answered right away that's just because we're waiting for the right spot for it yeah we might we might uh bring you on at the beginning or i'm sorry at the end i've been uh you know i sometimes listen to this is how uh how how obsessed i am with uh smelling my own scent here is that i sometimes listen to old uh episodes of wrestleomics uh sometimes to fall asleep and uh yeah, I was I was revisiting some before we we invented the policy that we should just wait until the very end to bring the the super chat questions in. So uh, anyway, where do you want to go first? All right, so we are going to get this show started here with uh, it being double or nothing and some news that came out yesterday regarding this. Um, so uh, this is an aggregation by Post Wrestling, but as AEW inches closer to their Double or Nothing event on May 29th in Las Vegas, they held the FanFest event in that city on May 28th, and MJF was scheduled to partake in a photo and autograph session. PW Insider was the first to report that MJF legitimately did not attend the event, and AEW was not able to get in contact with him. For those who paid for the autograph and photo session, AEW offered make goods to them, which included refunds and offering exchanges to meet other talents. Uh, Figure 4 Weekly Online also independently confirmed that AEW has not been able to contact MJF. Now, Fightful Sean Ross Sapp added to the story and noted that a flight out of Las Vegas has been booked for MJF. He is scheduled to go one-on-one with Warlow at Double or Nothing. Warlow took 10 lashings and won a steel cage match against Sean Spears in order for the match to be made official. MJF has stated in multiple media appearances in AEW TV that his deal expires in 2024. Uh, we also have here from PW Insider. Uh, we have heard from several readers that he was slated to be at the AEW Fan Fest this afternoon in Los Angeles or Las Vegas. Sorry, MJF has been seen playing slots at Mandalay Bay instead. For those asks us about reports 
initiated at Fightful.com that MJF had booked a flight out of Vegas for tonight, which would mean he wouldn't appear tomorrow. A source close to the situation confirmed that a red-eye flight to Newark has indeed been booked, but whether he gets on the flight or not remains to be seen. Sean Rostap has since reported that MJF did not board the flight. And we have some more, if you want me to uh, keep reading here, yeah, Brandon. Yeah, just, just keep going. We've got various sources. Give everybody up to date with this information yeah. here. So we got Wade Keller from Pro Wrestling Torch. MJF's current deal expires in just over 18 months at the start of 2024. MJF signed an original starter contract with AEW that was in the range of probably dozens of early signees who have since remained in the lower card, been cut, or been moved to the mid-card or higher. Since then, he was given one raise that an AEW source believes would have been substantial percentage-wise, but modest compared to the contracts of more than a half dozen free agent signings AEW have made over the past year, including wrestlers nowhere near his stature at the top tier main event star and ratings draw. Yes. So as we record this right now at 11.08 a.m., uh, unclear whether MJF will be on the pay-per-view or not. Um, I see Sean Ross Sapp. I've got, I've got a command station of information in front of me. I've got TweetDeck. I've got uh, another source of information. So if something breaks while we're on the air here, I'll try to keep you updated. But I, I see that um, Sean Ross Sapp has noticed that uh, AEW tweeted at about 1030. The AEW account tweeted uh, just sort of a, 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 a preview YouTube video for the MJF or low match and then deleted that tweet for what that's worth. So it's not as if. Their tweet indicated that that match was definitely still on. Um, so, yeah, don't know what's happening there. So, um, we'll see what happens. I know MJF has been uh, not uh, shy to point out uh, the quarter hours and how his segments have been doing in the quarter hours. Um, this was from about a week ago. He quote tweeted a Brandon Thurston tweet with a quarter hour chart on it. Um, because his segment was, the, I believe, the most viewed in total viewership. It was among the most highly viewed in the demo. This was uh, for the May 11th episode uh, when I was dumping uh, quarter hour charts onto Twitter. Uh, and he pointed out something similar for, for this week. Uh, Q1 was the most viewed um, quarter, uh, according to, the, to this report. I'm not sure where this is from, but he's tweeting a screenshot <clears throat> with a report of quarter hours for this past Wednesday, uh, noting that uh, the first quarter of the show was the peak in total viewers and the demo and various other demos, um, which quarter one often is, uh, mostly thanks to the, to the big bang theory lead in, which actually has been weakening lately. I don't know what it did this week, or I think the week we're always about two weeks behind with the ratings, Ryan rerun information, but, um, yeah, he, I, I can imagine how, so my, my understanding we don't have any new information here before before anybody gets uh, gets triggered here. My understanding of a lot of the my impression of, of a lot of the deals that especially like stars coming off the indies, stars coming off the indies who who came to AEW and signed, especially early on. Um, my impression is that they they signed for you know probably low six figure deals, uh, maybe very low six figure deals, and. I imagine MJF fits that that category. Um, I believe it in the, in the Wade Keller report, which I did read in its entirety, and I would you know recommend people check out. Um, he, he mentions that he, he that he's heard that MJF got an 
an increase, got a raise at some point, but it's still well below what some others in the company uh, who are, you know, former W stars are getting. Maybe, you know, Wade doesn't mention names, but I would imagine somebody like Christian. Imagine how much Christian is probably getting to, to come to AEW and the degree to which he's being featured and the degree to which MJF is being featured, just as one example that comes to my mind um, of a probably a, a big discrepancy there in terms of pay and in terms of how they're being used on TV. Um, is a MJF this big draw for AEW is a question. What do you think? Is, is MJF a huge star for AEW? Um, before we go down all the data, I would say he is. He might be their top heel. Yeah, so I, I've pulled together um, web search off of Google Trends. This is worldwide. <clears throat> so this is for everybody that's in AEW. And number one is Paul White, CM Punk, Jeff Hardy, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Tony Storm, Brian Danielson, Mark Henry, Sting, and then MJF. So MJF is ahead of Jade Cargill, Dan Housen, Kenny Omega, Dustin Rhodes, Matt Hardy, Samoa Joe, Tony Khan, uh, Adam Cole, Hey Conti, Britt Baker, Jake Roberts, William Regal, Keith Lee. Um, this is through April only. So what the the ranking that I just went through is through April year to date. So this does not include any activity that may be happening in May related to the news around MJF. Um, I did take a look at his his Google Trends line chart uh, for the last seven days last night, and it's you know it's like ten times higher than it was on Wednesday night. Uh, for what that's worth, there's something to say be said though that the heavyweight champion of AEW is not on that list in the top twelve. Adam Page, I would have. I have this Excel chart uh, open. Er, yeah. you, where is Adam Page here um, on the on that list? Let's see here. Oh, you know what? I don't have. Well, let's see here. If if I search for Adam Page here. Um, he is so I've got this list out with everybody, and we have to go down to like let's see where is MJF. He is so MJF is followed by Jade Cargill, Kenny Omega, Dustin Rhodes, Matt Hardy, Samoa Joe, Tony Khan, Adam Cole, Tay Conti, Britt Baker, Jake Roberts, William Regal, Keith Lee, and now we're off the chart. Uh, Billy Gunn, Sammy Guevara, Miro. Thunder Rosa, Jim Ross, and then Adam Page, and then Wardlow. Um, See, so yeah, Adam Page is uh, low, considerably lower than than MJF for what what that's worth. Um, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, Riho, Jungle Boy. Anyway, you get the point. Um, so, uh, and I also looked up. I, I, I know in April, and we only did one month, um, MJF didn't, didn't hit our radar in April for quarter hours. Um, and maybe we were leaning too heavily on YouTube videos because, lo and behold, he's not in any of the top 10 AEW YouTube videos for April. Um, again, we did April only in our Who's a Draw video that you can find here on YouTube. Um, we did not look at any other month just to make it isolated and to make our, our research not take more than an hour and a half. Um, but I, I did a top 10 of the top AEW YouTube videos uh, by views for each month year to date uh, with the the month of May as of today. Uh, and there are 
he's got two he's in two of the top ten in January. He's in three of the top ten in February. He's in two of the top ten in March. He's in none of the top ten in April. And he's in two of the top ten in May. Um I would want to do a breakdown to see how he compares to maybe others, but that's pretty significant, right? Um that for what it's worth, uh, I, I think it's worth. I think it, what it what it means is that these are. I think the as I've argued, YouTube videos give you a pretty good and cleaner than quarter hours indication of what segments do fans have a lot of interest in. AEW is different than WWE on YouTube in that AEW staggers the release of their highlights from television. They don't release them within a small window of time right after the show ends, like WWE does. They'll release dynamite videos sort of scattered across the following day or two. Um, so there's, so I think there's a bias. There's probably somewhat of a bias for uh, the videos that get released closer to the timing of the of the show ending are prone to do better. But um, all that aside, I think this 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 supports the notion that MJF is a valuable star. Um, that said. Uh, I don't know the whole story here, and we don't really know what MGF's side of the story is here, but uh, this is a big advertised match, and it doesn't reflect well on him uh, that it's uncertain whether or not this match is going to happen on this pay-per-view that people have got to shell down, shell out $50 for. Um, I mean, you got all, I mean, I'm trying to see where MGF is coming from. Me and you have both been talents on a wrestling show, you know, different capacities, but whatever. And like, you know, the, he, we look at there, it's not the top tier, but he, he, he's still in there quite a few times. And I, and I think too, like he hears Tony Khan talk about how great this feud was between him and CM Punk and all that to justify why CM Punk should be wrestling for the heavyweight title against Adam page in the main event. And I'm thinking you're MJF. You're probably like, I'd, like to have more main event matches you know i was part of that feud too and all that like you know it he he probably wants his flowers financially you know i mean everybody um, in that company likes to talk about how big of a star he's gonna be and he's rising and this and that you hear tony shivani talks about it, jim ross talks about it all that like yeah and um we should address a few things here i guess is that i don't think this is a work um wrestling fans are uh quick to, to, to jump on to, uh, oh my God, it must be a conspiracy. I, um, I, it would be a fantastic work in some respects if it was in terms of if, if MJF does appear on this pay-per-view, um, this is only going to enhance the heat that he's going to get, uh, from the crowd. Um, uh, but I doubt it's a work and you know, maybe MJF has worked himself into a shoot somewhat over the months here. Um, it was always easy for me to work myself into a shoot, uh, as a wrestler to, uh, I wanted wrestling and the the emotional aspects of wrestling, the as some people might call storytelling aspects of wrestling, to be so believable. You know, I I feel and felt that wrestling is best when not that you made people think it was a shoot in that like it was gonna be a legit fighter. These people have like there shouldn't be two worlds, right? I didn't want to make people jump from the fake worked world to the, to the shoot world and say, Oh no, everything else on, on the show is fake and this is real, but I wanted to, to make it all one, I guess. And that, and I would, you know, I would say things like, 
you know, the matches have to be a work, but the promos don't. Um, and so I was trying to create for fans, I guess, what would compel me most as a fan. And in that, I end up taking everything that I hear from other people, though, very seriously. <laughs> because uh, that's how I'm operating. Everything I say is either plausibly meant or is truly meant. Um, but then I read everything else that everybody else says as truly meant. And then I get my feelings hurt and I get very, you know, insecure and upset. Um, so it's, I always found it always, I know I often found it easy to work myself into a shoot about things. Um, maybe that's a factor in what's happening. Here. Um, yeah, something. I was just saying we had Tony commented on that on because on Thursday well, on Thursday for the conference call, somebody asked about like allowing MJF to talk about contract talks and all that, and Tony said he kind of likes that element, makes it you know, yes, more real on television and all that. that. He why doesn't why mind that. That clip. Why don't we go to that clip right now? This is from the earnings earnings call, the media conference call with Tony Khan from Thursday, where. Uh, we'll, we'll hear the question from a reporter with a wonderful Scottish accent, and then we'll hear Tony Khan's response. Listen, my question was about uh, MJF, because obviously the feud with him and Wardle's been so good. And one of the interesting aspects for me has to be see him kind of bringing up, you know, what he's going to do in 2024 when his contract's up. Can you talk a little bit about what led you to allow that element to be allowed to be part of the on-screen storyline and how valuable you see MJF to AEW long term? Well, I think wrestling thrives when real life on screen and the real life conflict is often just as exciting as any conflict on screen, which is one of the great things about what AEW has brought to the wrestling business. And I think uh, for Wardlow, this is a huge opportunity to actually officially become part of AEW, but also to share a that he's just MJF's heavy, MJF's thug. And for MJF, it's been a great opportunity to not only air some real-life grievances and air his actual uh, status, contractually or otherwise, I think it's just been TV2 on television and people are really excited about the fight at Double or Nothing on Sunday. So he's breaking up a little there, but I think you get most of it. Um, We've... um... We do have a super chat that I'll, I'll, I'll put on the screen. Tim B <laughs> says, <clears throat> Brandon, <laughs> I heard, I heard Gullo wants more money. Thank you for the, thank you for reporting this, Tim. Uh, anyway, he goes, he goes on to say, here's some help. So Gullo doesn't no show the next Sunday morning. Hash, hashtag pay Gullo. I don't like that, that he's siding with you. Um, I think I think once we're off air here, Gullo, I need to talk about signing you to an unfavorable contract. <laughs> the the ironic thing is is I can't make next Sunday, which I, I think I told you, Gullo. <laughs> you can't I'll, make next Sunday. Yes, I'll be uh, I'll be ring announcing Excite Wrestling because he moved it to Sunday. So really, yeah, I told you like a month ago, but uh, I was going to remind you again today at, off air. But Tim's putting this on the spot. Really? Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, I had no idea about this. You're just dropping this. You're shooting on me here on the air. Hey, I'm available for a Saturday edition of wrestling. We'll see what we can do. Um, okay, so there's all that. Anything more to add here? Um, 
this is not always our this is not really our area to like talk about i guess it isn't to the extent of that it this is talent relations and there's certainly money is a factor in it economics are a factor um but anything else to add here any any, any questions to raise gallo uh you know i it's Tony Khan is is a wrestling fan first, and I'm sure he can likes the realism and think, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, me and MJF are having tough contracts, but you know, it's it's kind of good for business. People are talking and all that, but it gets to a point where, like, you know, I brought to you off air. We don't know what MJF is doing, like, as far as off the record, like, you know, WWE's big on like tampering, but we don't know if AW has like some type of policy where talent shouldn't be discussing anything with executives. I'm going to say this right now. We don't know if MJF's talking to Bruce Pritchard or not. I'm not saying he is. I have no sources on that, but we don't know. We don't know if there could be a deal in place when, when this is all said and done in 2024. We don't know that. For what it's worth, um, in the the interview that MJF did with Ariel Hawani, I believe, which is part of reportedly what kicks off this tension, conflict between Tony and, and, and MJF, uh, he mentions that there's extreme interest in, uh, from WWE in him. Um, it's hard hard to know when he's blurring the lines and and when he's being most forthright. Um, so there's that. Um, so anyway, we'll uh, when most people listen to this, um, it will it will probably be in audio after the fact after eight, uh, Double or Nothing is over with. Or at least a lot of people are going to be listening to this after eight, after double or nothing is over with, and and people listening will will know as I speak to you from the past, you in the future, you know whether or not MJF appeared on Double or Nothing. So, so I don't want to make this too stale, and we'll uh, we'll move on to uh, to the next topic. Yeah, uh, Money in the Bank has moved. Uh, originally uh, supposed to be for a Legion Stadium, but now it has moved to the MGM Grand Garden Arena on Saturday, July 2nd at 4.30 Pacific Standard Time. And from understanding is tickets that were already bought will be refunded, but those people would have first shot at buying tickets for the Garden Arena. Yeah, so we, we, we put a slide on the screen last week showing the tickets distributed per WrestleTix of all of these stadium shows. So W's got three stadium shows upcoming that they're selling tickets to. They don't sell the tickets to, to the to the Saudi shows, I don't think. They don't report that they generate revenue from them, um, right, because that's all guaranteed money. Anyway, they, they had three stadium shows uh, coming up. Uh, money in the Bank in Las Vegas. Everything sounded around Las Vegas today. Uh, SummerSlam in Nashville. Uh, what, what's the name of the stadium in Nashville? NFL Nissan Stadium, song. I believe. Nissan Stadium, I think that sounds right. Uh, and then in Cardiff uh, in September, Labor Day weekend, uh, Clash of the Castle at the, uh, what's the name of the stadium in, in Cardiff? That I do not know off the top of my head. It'll, it'll you know, it'll be obvious once once uh, we, we look it up. But anyway, um, WrestleTix had this at about 24,000 distributed. Um and when this news broke, uh, I asked Russell Ticks about this, and we had a, a discussion that maybe he was counting some of the um, some of the upper decks where they had actually only released every other row, and he was assuming that. Remember these are always estimates. He was assuming that they had actually distributed those tickets. So, so maybe his estimate was high. In any event, it's not clear to me whether. We should put this on the table. That okay, they're moving to MGM Grand capacity. That's going to be what. 
10 to 12,000, roughly, uh, assuming they, they keep their massive stages always, uh, 10 to 12,000. So it's not clear to me whether or not Money in the Bank at Allegiant Stadium had sold more tickets than they can actually hold in MGM Grand. Um, I'd heard them, you know, they had, they had sold less than 10 to 12,000. Another person denied this to me. So it's possible that they've sold more for Allegiant Stadium than they can resell in MGM Grand. In other words, you may have some ticket holders who you're usually, you're just, I'm saying something so amusing. Somebody must be uh, uh, talking about our contract. You, you'll see the super chat. <laughs> anyway, it's possible that they sold more tickets at Allegiant Stadium than they can resell to fans now in MGM Grand. Because to be clear, they're starting all over. This is They're not transplanting stadium tickets to arena tickets here. Uh, shows on the same date, same town, but smaller venue. Uh, they're wiping all those tickets off the board, refunding everybody, and giving original ticket holders a pre-sale code. Pre-sale code will be available probably to... P- Do we have it on the screen right now? <laughs> um, pre-sale code is, is going to be pretty accessible to the public. I think we have it on the screen right now, in fact. Uh, and... So it's not as if it will be exclu- the the origin the first the earliest sale will be exclusively available to people who have already bought tickets. So uh, yeah, but maybe people will will there will be people who will just you know say screw it and I'm not going to go to the show now. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, what happened here? Why was this? Why was the stadium show moved to an arena? I mean, you could say I mean. Tw- Ticket wise, like twenty four thousand, or I believe Russell Dick said it could be seventeen thousand nine twenty four distributed. That's small potatoes compared to an NFL stadium that holds sixty, I think two thousand. I think they're that stadium. I mean, for is. a wrestling show, I would I would think you know what is what is a what is a WrestleMania hold? Maybe fifty sixty thousand. They could have put fifty sixty thousand. Now they didn't. I don't believe that they expected that they were going to put that much in there, but they saw it as if we can sell tens of thousands of tickets, uh, it's still better. It's still, we're still generating more revenue and perhaps more margin than we would if we were just doing this in an arena. Uh, I believe, I have to be, be precise with my language here as, as, as WrestleMania grows. Uh, I would expect that they just didn't sell enough tickets for this to be worth it because this is a pretty big decision. This is a pretty big dismount here. Um, I would, I would, I would expect that they were going to lose money if they didn't make this move. So they're not going to take profitability away from their company and, and cause themselves to lose perhaps millions of dollars by keeping this at a stadium. Uh, they decided to move to MGM Grand instead. So I have to believe that that's what was happening there, um, that this is a way to not lose money. Um, I've heard that the Raiders are not happy about this decision, um, and I definitely get the impression that this was not a a decision from outside of WWE. This is not like a stadium decision or a Raiders decision. This, it wasn't the case of somebody looking at this show and saying, you're not, you're not selling enough tickets. We're going to kick you out of the stadium. No, uh, I believe this is a case of that ticket sales weren't meeting what they needed it to meet. So they, rather than lose money, they're just wiping the slate clean, starting over again. Um, 
at a smaller venue with less risk. Um, <clears throat> notable that there's a pretty big difference between the, the new marketing poster and the old marketing poster. The old marketing poster had Ronda Rousey, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar on it. Uh, somebody noted that it had Sasha Banks, who is way back here, uh, in, well in the background. Anyway, new poster does not have Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, or Ronda Rousey on it. Uh, most prominently featured we've got here, Cody Rhodes, Bianca Belair, Matt Riddle, um, whose first name I will use, um, and others. So different talent. So maybe we're not getting Brock Lesnar here or, or even Roman Reigns keep the expense down, I suppose. Uh, so maybe that's happening too, or Ronda Rousey for that matter. Who knows? Uh, yes. I just thought it was a weird play that they were trying to make this a marquee event anyways. Money in a Bank was always just a regular arena event until they this year wanted to put it into a stadium and all that. I'm also intrigued to see how the next conference call goes because they always like to brag about, oh, we got these four stadium events and this and that. And this was a high light piece that they talked about. Now, I feel like they have to do some type of addressing of that. To some extent, um, yeah. as we'll talk about. Stock price is fine, um, to say the least. I, I, I would agree with the notion that, that Money in the Bank is their fourth biggest pay-per-view in terms of brand strength because there's these, these embedded consequences in it, um, more so than Survivor Series, right? As we grew up as kids, there were four big pay-per-views, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. And as the years wore on, Survivor Series became a less significant pay-per-view um, Money in the Bank, uh, for a company that I would argue has a great amount of trouble uh, planning and executing long-term plans, Money in the Bank ties them to some sort of consequence where the Money in the Bank winner gets a title shot. I, I think it's an undermining – it undermines the importance of the title. But anyway, uh, it, it, it ties them to give somebody a title match, and they're often in, – you know, they're incentivized to have that person often win the title so that uh, – it feels like it has further consequence. Um, but anyway, if we look at the Google web search over the years uh, of, of, let's call it the five major pay-per-views, if we include WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Money in the Bank. Of course, WrestleMania is by far the, the biggest, the, the strongest. If we look at Google web search, it's well above any of the others, as you would expect. If you strip away WrestleMania and Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble is easily the number two, um, which is always... A surprise to me as a kid. I guess I always saw SummerSlam as a bigger deal. Maybe it was just a mark for um, SummerSlam '91. But um, well, I was just saying. I think it's because Royal Rumble have has direct ties to WrestleMania for sure, and it has like Money in the Bank. It has these consequences for the title. And um, people like battle royals, Brandon. Have you been on enough wrestling shows? Put, true. put them on a battle royal. Yeah, and it, you know. You tie yourself to, to sport to sports like consequences, and uh, well, you, you look like you're missing some teeth here with the uh, the chroma key right now. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will assure everyone that that Chris Cole is not missing front teeth. He is not. I'm not teeth. missing front teeth. No. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he, he has decent dental work. Um, anyway, uh, so if we look at just the, the 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 bottom three out of the top five: Money in the Bank, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam. Okay, SummerSlam is clearly ahead. And then, okay, let's narrow it down now to Money in the Bank and Survivor Series. And we do in some recent years see Survivor Series above Money in the Bank. Um, but generally, we've got a number of years here where Money in the Bank does, for web search, for what web search is worth, worldwide basis we're looking at here, 2004 to the present, 
there's a lot of years here where, where Money in the Bank is stronger in web search than Survivor Series. There's some years where it's the other way around, though. Um, so I think there's, you know, there's, there's was and is a good argument to be had that Money in the Bank is one of your strongest, is your fourth strongest pay-per-view brand. If not, it's definitely the fifth, um, right? Because what else would be, I guess, Elimination Chamber? But um, I think there's credit to that idea that, that Money in the Bank is a strong pay-per-view brand. Nonetheless, you've got to have matches that people care about and stars that people care about and, pe- and, and matches between those stars that people want to pay money to see. Um, I can't imagine why people wouldn't want to pay money to see and travel to see a, a W pay-per-view. Can you? It's got to be something they've never seen before. And, you know, the general consensus with WWE television is it's kind of the same thing over and over and over. In my opinion, in times. Um, so this is, um, did you know that Nick Khan is human? Yeah. I mean, I think he sleeps a little more than Vince McMahon, though. So I think that would constitute him as a human. Nick Khan, uh, in his interview with Ariel Hawani from August of last year, uh, talked about this strategy to put more of their major pay-per-view of, excuse me, premium live events in stadiums. I don't think they were dubbed premium live events at that time. Um, where he's, he's tell he, we have this quote pulled out here that I guess I'll read uh, that that Nick says to Ariel, "We're looking for any sports date on the sports calendar where a big sporting event doesn't exist." He goes on to say, "My belief is that pe- so he was talking about the day one pay per view that it was happening in, in Atlanta on January first, uh, which was planned at that point. My belief is that people who are going to Atlanta they don't wake up Saturday morning after a long night out on New Year's and say." Okay, let's go home. They want to do something on Saturday night. We're always looking. We're always going to look at the, that calendar to see what we think might work. Um, day one, I'm almost certain was was a Saturday on January first. Um, this was going to be a, a Saturday. So again, that strategy of putting premium live events not on a Sunday as they have traditionally have been for decades, but but to a Saturday. Um, I would think the the July Fourth holiday played into the planning of this too, to make it more of a travelable weekend for people. That that adds up with the Cardiff show being on Labor Day weekend. Although, is that a bank holiday in the UK? I know a lot of their bank holidays align with ours. Um, that I don't people, know. People, people in the UK can tell. In, in the UK, in the chat, can tell us. There's always somebody from the UK who wants to correct you about stuff. I love it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that. Um, there's a photo of, of Allegiant Stadium um, to remind me to make a point that I don't think this is a, a case of the Raiders or the stadium telling them to go somewhere else. Um, but this was also um, competing with, you could say, UFC International Fight Week, which Tony Khan has brazenly pointed out on Twitter, uh, UFC 276 that pay-per-view in las vegas uh scheduled to happen july 2nd uh, on saturday um i think i brought this up too when we were talking about this a couple weeks ago about money and a baby in this weekend i'm like ufc and international fight week is there that's that's interesting do you uh are you familiar with these fighters here israel uh, adesanya not, not super much but i have been at a international fight week uh, and an event that coincided with to it. Pronounce so, these fighters' names. Uh, Anansania, Konier, uh, Volkanovski, and know Volkanovski in Vol- Holloway. Yes, yes. So uh, those are the two 
big fights uh, that on that pay per view. Um, Tony Khan uh, always. Tony Khan's hostile tweets. Most hostile tweets are always on Fridays. Have you noticed this? Because you got to watch out Rush Rampage. <laughs> Hashtag AW Rampage. Um, we'll we'll touch on this too later on. Are we already pretty deep into this? Forty minutes. Um, but we'll, we're going to touch on this string of tweets later on. But he does point out that he was having dinner with Dana White, and he got to break the news to Dana White that Money in the Bank was moving to uh, the MGM Grand instead of the stadium. Um, Tony Khan provocatively tweeting genius move trying to take on Dana and the UFC in Vegas during International Fight Week. Here's a plug for AW Rampage. Uh so that's that one. And um which by the way the MGM Grand Arena is a 7 minute uh drive and a 12 minute walk from the T-Mobile Arena. So they are going to be very close to each other in the same day running running their shows. So so they're still they're still running head to head. I guess moral of the story here. <laughs> Yes, they. But even closer because Allegiant Stadium is a little bit further. Was a little bit further away from T-Mobile. I, I'm guessing that the UFC show, being a UFC pay per view, will start at like 10 Eastern. They they get the preliminary fights going right, very but the main quickly. card will probably start at 10. Yeah, yeah. So but I remember when I was there, it, the preliminary fight started at like four o'clock their time, which would have been seven our time. So, okay. Um. In general, here's an update on ticket sales for WWE, and we can talk about AEW as well. Um, House show ticket sales through May as of today, as of yesterday anyway, uh, house show ticket sales are down sequentially uh, from prior months, averaging, according to WrestleTix estimates, 37,000, sorry, 3,700 out for May. That is among the lowest, January was lower for house shows for what that's worth uh, if we look at tv smackdown and raw are down in may also from from recent months uh in the in the mid six thousands the mid six thousands for raw and smackdown where they had been hovering in the in the eight thousands for the two prior months but that in the six thousands is still on track to where they were in at points in uh, earlier in the year they had even been in the high five thousands at, at times um so it's not as if this is strongly reflective of poor this is not reflective of poor ticket sales in W general for W generally. Um while we're at it here, Dynamite <clears throat> Dynamite's average is in the mid five thousands for May, which is about where it was in the month prior in April, uh better than it was doing in, in March where it only averaged four thousand tickets out. So um that's where ticket sales are. Um. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's it. We have any any uh, anything to add here? Any super chats here? Uh, not regarding this. Uh, Tim had more uh, on our our contract talks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I'm just gonna put it out there. Uh, and I've I've got support here from the listeners here. Obviously, uh, Tim B encourages. Uh, he's he's, he's throwing two dollars here out out on the table to say if Gullo isn't happy. I can fire you on the air. I am happy. Oh, you better, like, you better uh, be happy. I, I'm very, ha- I'm very happy to say I'm part, a very small part of the WrestleNomics universe. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're wonderful. You, you bring the confidence out in me, Chris Colo. <laughs> I, I try. I uh, try. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, 
Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Speaking of confidence, people are confident in WWE on the stock market, huh? Oh, what a segue. See, this is why you're here. Okay. Uh, disaster for WWE. They got to move from a stadium to an arena. They're, the stockholders must be pissed, right? Stephanie also uh, taking leave of absence, yep. Stephanie's out. What does that mean for the stock? Uncertainty, right? Oh, that's going up high, higher, highest since the meme stock. Uh, yes. uh, whatever you want to call the meme extravaganza. <laughs> so, the the, the Reddit, subreddit, Wall yeah. Street Bats, in June of last year, took a momentary fleeting interest in WWE, and that ran WWE stock up to as high as $70 at one point during a day. It did not close at $70 that day, but it... Uh, did touch $70, and that's why we have a 52-week high for WB stock of $70.72. Um, but this is – so at, on Friday, W stock closed at seven, uh, $67. $67. That's, that means it has a market cap of nearly $5 billion. If you've been listening to this show on a consecutive basis, we've sort of roughly thrown out that WB is worth – Four and a half billion dollars in market capital. Market capital is just the value of all the shares. Now, up to five billion dollars. Uh, neither of us hold W stock, correct? No, I currently do not. know. I did it one time, but I do not currently. <clears throat> do you? Uh, are you still? Are you in the stock market in, in, in any in any fashion? Yeah, um, they're they've been dwindling, but got some Tesla, some Netflix, some Amazon. Just kind of bought all the Tesla, big. Netflix. Yeah. When did you buy these? Uh, like probably like four months ago before well, that was the, a mistake. That was yes, that was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yes, it was. I mean, it was uh, all that money I made from Dogecoin. Didn't want to keep losing it in Dogecoin. So I sold. Are you still holding crypto? No, I, I currently do not own any crypto. I'll get back in that game when it when it gets a little more comfortable again. Okay. Um. But uh, and, we, and actually, if, if I look at um, we will not see this on the screen. But if I look at the uh, you know, if I type WWE NYSE into into the Google machine, we do see that uh, in aftermarket trading, W is even a little bit higher, as uh, as high as sixty seven dollars and sixty six cents. Anyway, W stock has been climbing um, on consecutive days. This is the highest um, highest close price in a couple years. And we so, do got um, a super chat from MJ. Uh, Somebody said this would be mid sixties, maybe seventy stock by summer. Please acknowledge all dumb pirate apes. <laughs> yes, uh, are you familiar with what an ape is? I, I, I am not. Yeah, I'm, I'm slowly. You got you and MJ have slowly uh, gotten me to know more and more about the business terms. MJ from NJ explained this to me about once a week, and I always forget. Uh, it's it's some sort of um, some sort of stock, uh, Wall Street bets meme stock thing. Um, but what is he saying? Or somebody said that this would be a mid sixties, maybe seventy stock by summer. I guess he's referring to himself uh, <laughs> as a uh, as a stock profit. Um, says it's the stock is doing very well in a market 
and I think we have we have a slide for this. In, and and you know, so this is just showing that look look at how high the stock price is compared to the history. There there was this period in 2018 2019 where you know it's pretty clear the stock was greatly overvalued and there was a lot of hype and optimism uh, after the the new TV deals in the U.S. were struck, and then the, the sort of the international deals came in below where many had speculated. The stock got up to a hundred dollars per share for a uh, a short time, um, sixty-seven dollars uh, on Oct- in, in October twenty nineteen. So it's now back up to that valuation. Um, in a market where, as we can see here, if we compare W stock year to date versus the indexes, uh, W stock year to date, if you had invested a hundred dollars in W on January first, one hundred dollars are now about one hundred thirty-five dollars. If you had invested. Uh, $100 in, in the equivalent of if you invested $100 in, in any uh, mutual fund that just reflects one of the major three indexes, you would have less than $100 today uh, if, if you invested that on January 1st. Um, so the S&P 500 is down 13%. The NASDAQ, the, the tech-heavy NASDAQ, which is you know always more volatile, uh, down 23%. The Dow Jones, which is always less volatile, down 9%. Um, so W well performing, well outperforming the rest of the stock market here. Uh, and I've heard Rich Greenfield, for example, on Peter Kafka's podcast a week or two ago, as they were talking about all of the trouble that various tech companies are having on the stock market that is well reflected in the, the NASDAQ index performance. You know, all of these companies, including Netflix, which I hold, uh, and a lot of other tech stocks have fallen hard. Last couple of days of the week on the stock market, though, has been a little bit of a recovery. But anyway, a lot of tech stocks falling hard. Snap, which I hold, fell tremendously. Um, but Rich Greenfield, the uh, the light shed analyst, pointing out that hey, look at WB. They're uh, they've you know giving W a lot of credit to say that hey, look, WB decided that you know maybe we're not big enough to to be a streaming service on our own, but we can license it and get guaranteed revenue because of it. And, uh, and that's certainly what they've done with, with the, the network and with streaming. They've got a lot of guaranteed revenue sources. Um, what else is driving this, this stock to go up here? Um, you know, I, I, when I was asked to comment for a John Wall Street article, he was bringing up um, whether or not WE was going to outperform its guidance it's a uh, profit guidance. It's adjusted weave the guidance, uh, citing things like the stadium shows, which are you know at least uh, one of them is not a stadium show now. Um, is this going? By the way, I don't get the impression that similar is going to happen with SummerSlam. I see a lot of hysteria about that. Like, is SummerSlam next? I, I doubt it. Um, but uh, John Wall Street was bringing up you know the stadium shows. Look at the A and E deal. Maybe that content gets broadcast in 2022. So if so, the revenue gets recognized in 2022. Um, hey, look, they have other international streaming deals now with Disney Hotstar in Indonesia, in the APAC region. Uh, they have a deal finally of some sort in the MENA region. Vince said on the conference call that uh, he, re- he used the adjective modest to refer to the MENA, the new MENA media rights deal. Uh, so I don't see a lot in that, but I, I do believe you know the stock was undervalued for a while. Uh, if we look back to the the you know sort of the five year history, you know, I think there was a pretty clear point earlier this year where um, 
even if we're taking W to be worth about a you know ten to twelve x multiple, it was it was marginally undervalued, uh, and now it's it's climbing back up to what I would guess is a more realistic uh, valuation for this company about five billion dollars. So there we go. Um, Frank Riddick, Chronicles of Riddick, Chief Financial Officer for WWE. I th- I'm starting to get the vibe that like. Whenever there's sort of something, I don't want to say negative that has to be said, or some something that's kind of bad news, it will get it will it will get sort of uttered by Frank Riddick. I'm sort of getting that impression. Uh, maybe I'm I'm jumping to conclusions here, but uh, because you can sort of put it in this arcane part of the conference call, part of their public statements that are that are quite boring. Among the most boring content that you'll see from WWE will be the things that Frank Riddick says, uh, where he said, go, go ahead and, re- and read this quote yes. from, the, from last earnings call on May 5th from Frank Riddick. The key initiatives that could have meaningful implications for WWE's performance for the remainder of 2022, including the continuing execution of our live events touring schedule, including our stadium strategy for our premium live events, the licensing of Raw's second window rights, additional licensing of WWE Network and international markets, further increases in sponsorship sales, and the ongoing monetization of new original series. So that's... um the next day rights is something that we probably don't keep in mind enough. Um, News for that should be coming out soon, right? I would think so. It's going to expire at the end of the year. So uh, by the end of the year, I would expect something any, any moment now. Um, where do those land? They're currently held by Hulu. Um, depending on what's released about that or if we even get a report about what the value of that deal is, you know, that could change analysts or my you know, belief about what's, what W's profitability for the year looks like. Or, well, I guess really it wouldn't be this year because if it's expiring this year, payments related to it wouldn't come into effect until next year. But it could affect the stock price for sure, regardless of what people believe the the, the value of that deal is in terms of the payments for the next day rights. If they, if they come up with a deal with Netflix or Amazon, I mean, that could fuel speculation that, well, maybe there's a further relationship to be had between WWE and Amazon and, and Netflix, perhaps for some sort of, maybe that, maybe those companies, either of those companies become a bidder for the Raw and SmackDown rights, which is, which would be good for WWE because it would mean that there's more interest and therefore more value in their Raw and SmackDown rights, which are, of course are their most important deal. Um, I don't know that we've, got plans to talk about it here today but um i've been giving a lot of thought to i think what we talked about last week with the news that stephanie mcmahon is taking a leave of absence about whether or not w is going to be acquired they're warming up more and more to the idea they're gonna sell and whether or not you know i don't know that we're ever gonna see a w tv rights renewal maybe we just see an acquisition of the company um we'll see um, along the lines of ticket sales, though, Hell in a Cell is essentially sold out in Chicago, the inexhaustible wrestling market that is the metro, the Chicago metro area. This is in, in Rosemont, the former Rosemont Horizon, the, insur- the car insurance company arena. Uh, WrestleTix reporting that uh, you know, 99.4% of the tickets uh, that they've got uh, for ca- capacity for have been distributed more than 12,000 out uh and w's twitter account announces that the, that the event is sold out uh so 
there's that. All right, so we'll move on to more AEW uh, talk with Double or Nothing being this evening. Yes. Um, just to do some business of Double or Nothing, uh, 94% of the tickets to be distributed, according to WrestleTix, have been distributed. This is as of, I believe, yesterday or the day before. Um, so maybe you can still get tickets for Double or Nothing. Uh, Tony Khan is said publicly that this is a $1.1 million gate. So it sounds like they're, they're, they're pricing their tickets a little bit higher than they have in the past for events like this, uh, where they haven't reached a million before. Um, this is not their first million-dollar gate. I believe Revolution was their first million-dollar gate uh, in Orlando. Um, are you following the yes. Celtics and the Heat? Yep. The- game, game, game 7 is tonight. Uh, I... I, I most basketball fans want to see Celtics Warriors series as the Warriors have already clinched. So I'm hoping the Celtics win uh, tonight just to see that series. But yeah, I mean, uh, it has been a very exciting NBA playoffs this year. And here we are game seven tonight. Are you uh, Celtics the a little bit. And then not consistently. I was watching the Mavericks a little bit. Cause I got some friends that are big Mavericks fans or affiliated with Mavericks organization. And, you know, but unfortunately the Warriors uh, took you know, care of them. Um, you're close with Mark Cuban. I am not close with Mark Cuban at all. No. Um, did you watch Game Six with the Boston Celtics versus the Miami Heat? I, I, major, I did. major implications for <laughs> AEW Double or Nothing. <laughs> I, I did not watch uh, Game Six, uh, but uh, obviously I saw some highlights and read about it and all that. So, so Tony Khan, I, I, I first heard this on uh, Richard Deitch's podcast, which came out. Wednesday, I think, um, where he has a, a, a lengthy interview with Tony Khan. Uh, and Tony Khan says that if this series between the Celtics and the Heat goes to Game 7, meaning that Game 7 will happen at the same time as Double or Nothing, I believe the start time is 8.30 for Game 7, uh, that he will... I was a little confused about what he was trying to get at. But essentially, the, at least the main event, maybe other matches, will be held off until the game is over. Assuming like the game doesn't go into overtime or something like that. Um, Tony Khan says that they have an extra hour in the pay-per-view window. Uh, I, I take that to mean be prepared to stay up to 1 a.m. tonight if you're watching the AW pay-per-view. Uh, m- might start, might be pushed forward a little bit in terms of when they start the buy-in or something like that. Um, was the impression that I got. I had to ask for clarification. And this is, this is what I what I took away from that conversation. Well, they are on the West coast, so they don't have to right. deal with their fans having, you know, being there till one in the morning in house. And I mean, they have a lot of long roster. They can add a couple of matches. They have a huge roster. So do we think that the, I, I, I know people, including MJ from NJ are, are, are into the game, but do we think that the, the crossover interest between Celtics heat and AEW pay-per-view are so overlapping that this is necessary. I I don't it I don't think that that audience is going to just say okay, Celtics heater over. Let me go buy this pay-per-view to watch an hour of it. Yeah. Like that's not happening. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of overmanaging. Um, it's a pay-per-view event, like you said, you got to pay fifty dollars to to participate in this if you're doing it legally. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, it's pretty far down the funnel and I think if you're willing to pay $50 for this, that, you know, 
you're not uh it's 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 taking precedence over a basketball game Um, is it more of a social media play because it'll probably be harder to trend while this is going on and say the Celtics or Heat win to go to the NBA Finals? I don't know that that's more valuable than making sure that your pay-per-view customers have a good experience, though. Yeah. Because that's the only factor I could see, really, with why he would want to hold off till the game was over. And there's going to be matches throughout here. It's not like... And yeah. this was made very clear. They're not going to pause the show while the basketball game is on. Uh he, he was Tony in the in the interview with Richard Deitch was alluding to a Manny Pacquiao fight, where they they, they were the same same two teams in fact in the playoffs, uh, and they the boxing card I think stopped until the game was over or something like that. In a boxing for a boxing fight where as is often the case, the vast majority of the interest was on the main event solely. You know you probably couldn't even name who the other fighters were who the other boxers were on the card not not the case with the pay-per-view where you have you know interest across the card hopefully peaking in the main event but you know. anyway moving on moving on to uh ring of honor and will ring of honor be on some type of warner brothers discovery platform yeah um well let's play uh the clip from the uh the media conference call on thursday um, I, I asked Tony Khan a question that I've pondered on this podcast before about is, you know, why we know that the uh, Ring of Honor was acquired by, by Tony Khan and not by All Elite Wrestling Limited Liability Company. Uh, so why is that the case? Um, I've speculated that maybe there's some sort of uh, exclusivity agreement that AEW is held to so that by not acquiring Ring of Honor into AEW, that maybe they're avoiding having to keep Ring of Honor, you know, faithful to that exclusivity agreement. Uh, anyway, I asked uh, Tony Khan this question, and here's his response. Paid a certain price, I could buy Ring of Honor then and there, and I didn't want to complicate going to restart that uh i just jumped on it honestly me personally uh it was a unique opportunity i was on the phone and i heard that if i paid a certain price i could buy ring of honor then and there and i didn't want to complicate it or make it any more difficult than it was going to be i just said i'll do it right then and there uh me personally and it's easy for me to do that i i uh didn't have to go through any uh you know uh I guess the way the way I looked at it at the time was the price was right, the opportunity was right, and I was looking out for AEW. I think I, you know, always am thinking of AEW, and in doing so, I think this transaction it makes sense for Ring of Honor to be uh, its own brand and stand on its own feet. I'm not saying Ring of Honor is a subsidiary of AEW or it's secondary in any way. And I think that's one of the things that made Ring of Honor Supercard uh, a really compelling event is you didn't feel like it was a developmental show or it was a secondary show. You, you had great matches on the card. It was a very well-received card. It's been one of the best-reviewed shows of the year critically. And commercially, it was a massive success. Is Ring of Honor as big as AEW right now? No. Is it selling as many pay-per-views? No. But... That was incredible growth for Ring of Honor, a company that has over 20 years of history now and has sold a ton of pay-per-views over the years. And that was, of all the shows they promoted, 
one of the biggest Ring of Honor shows. It was the biggest show by far in years. When we get all the final numbers in, when it's all said and done, it's going to be probably 20 times or more the, the recent Ring of Honor pay-per-views. Like, like, you know, 20 times as many people watching. So we've been able to rebuild and get Ring of Honor, I think, to a stronger place than it's been in many, many years. But uh, I just don't see it as a, a, a secondary thing or a subsidiary thing. It's a separate, standalone thing. It's one of the most important wrestling companies in the world. So Tony Khan's answer is that Ring of Honor was acquired as a separate entity. I believe that the, the company is called Ring of Honor Acquisition Company or something like that. was acquired separately because, according to him, uh, it was easier to get it done you know, it, quickly. Um, and he's putting over the fact that he sees Ring of Honor as, you know, it, sh- it should be this, this separate company that is very important. I don't just want it to be a subsidiary to, to AEW. Um, it would be great to be able to follow up and ask, you know, what what about acquiring it separately made that an easier process? Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, I made you listen to this entire media conference called with Tony Khan. Any other major takeaways? He was a little less detailed this this time around. I think he was a little more broad answering. It was almost very, you know, WWE-ish, you know. Um, you'll answer the questions, but you don't, you don't want to go too granular, too detailed to make it by, be by swayed way, one way or the other. He went, went into, a, into a, a description of the performance of Best in the World, which is the first and only Ring of Honor show under his oversight. He says it did 20 times or more pay-per-view buys than other recent previous Ring of Honor pay-per-views. So I don't know what, you know, what, what the original number is that we're multiplying by 20 there. Um, I would 10,000 at least I would, I would think yeah. is what we're working from there. So, if we're talking, what's what's ten thousand times twenty? That's um, two hundred. No, no, no. Math. This is a math show. Ten times. I'm sorry. Twenty times. Well, that'd be two hundred thousand. So it had to be under ten thousand. There's no way Best in the World did two hundred thousand buys. That's what All no. In did. That's what All In last year did, which is their biggest, which is AW's biggest pay per view ever. So anyway, it must have done. Those Ring of Honor shows were only doing a few thousand buys. Then maybe. Like well, they also, yeah, I mean, they also had the Honor Club, too, where you got some of those pay-per-views in the membership I suppose. as well. So I don't know if that number so would that truly reflect. Yeah. A- a- anyway, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I agree with what you're saying there, Gullo, that he, Tony Khan has become a, a more well-practiced executive in, in taking responses to questions where he wants them to go. Yeah, um, well, well, which is what most executives do in all types of forms of media and all that. WWE does it well, but people Google do it and Amazon and whatnot, you know. While Stephanie McMahon may be on a leave of absence, t- Tony Khan is sharpening his game as a public relations person. Um, yeah. I don't know that it was that eventful of a call. Otherwise, you know, some of the things he says on this call are are also said uh, in his interview with Richard Deitch that I would recommend people listen to. Um, he does mention that uh, next week, and we, well, I guess we can, we should talk about this first. Um, is Ring of Honor going to get on a, 
is going to get it. Ring of Honor going to get a TV deal of any kind anywhere? Um, he seems to be angling that for that strongly, right? I mean, why else would you? One of the reasons I'm sure why he acquired this property is not just for the video library, not just to run occasional pay per views or shows, and he's certainly not going to run a bunch of live events without having some media distribution to monetize it through, right? Uh, I imagine he wants to sell some sort of weekly TV show or some sort of program to a TV network. He seems to be fixated on Warner Brothers Discovery here. I don't know why. Uh, why Why you would not also be interested in selling it to other potential suitors, whether that's in, in the streaming world or in the traditional TV world like Viacom. You know, we know that they had discussions with Showtime in, in 2019. So... We, we discussed this before. I, I, I don't see an obvious home for for Ring of Honor content on, and Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, the the upfronts are not very encouraging in terms of what Warner Brothers Discovery's interest is in wrestling programming. AEW was not prominently featured. It was barely featured. Um, but anyway, Tony Khan mentions that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. We'll talk about pay per view in a bit, but let's let's jump to. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery executives will be at the Dynamite taping next week on Wednesday, which is in the L.A. Forum, which has some sort of corporate sponsor. I don't remember now, but the, the L.A. Forum um, executives will be there. No word on whether David Zasloff will be there. Uh, he did not name anyone specifically. But uh, Tony Khan also mentioned in his, in his tweet that we touched on earlier that uh, he said on Friday, that yesterday, so he's referring to Thursday, he had one of his favorite days, including number of bullet points here. Great visits with fans and media. That's us. A trip to LA. So he went to LA in the midst of this, before going to Las Vegas, presumably. A trip to LA for the most fulfilling meeting of my life with at WBD, that's Warner Brothers Discovery, with at WBD leadership. And then his dinner with his with his dad Shad and uh, and Dana, um, so as Jesse Collins uh, pointed out on Twitter, people will focus on on the shot that he takes that, that Tony takes at WWE here. Um, but a really interesting story here is what what is he referring to? Uh, this meeting was it as positive as he says it was? Um, In the conference call too, he does allude to almost that there's a streaming deal is imminent. You know what I'm talking about when, to, when he says, and he's like, you know, uh, streaming is under avenue we're very excited about and all that. And well, well, AW is exploring fast. Um, yeah. Is that a fast channel? Is that, that could be distributed on fast platforms? Is that a f- fast platform of their own? I don't know. Uh, but they're, they're exploring fast. Um, what's fast? Free ad-supported uh, television, so. Oh. Oh. Um, but but no, I almost wonder you. <laughs> I almost wonder if that fast thing might get pushed aside, and maybe maybe we do see some type of streaming uh, agreement with uh, AEW on Discovery Plus or HBO Max, and added to that is Ring of Honor. Perhaps um, we we will see. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, you know, a lot of this depends on what what those executives how excited they are about wrestling and uh, what other content. Warner Brothers Discovery acquires. So I've given this some thought um, about you know about AEW's value and about the new nature of, of the leadership. You know, Brett Weitz is out, who's the former general manager of the T-Nuts, TNT, TBS, and True TV. He's out. Um, Kathleen Finch, I, I, I guess, is, you know, Kathleen Finch, who we're, we're seeing here on the right, 
Uh, she was the person who was going to oversee Brett White's. I don't know if she's taking over Brett, Brett White's duties or what's happening there, or somebody's going to replace Brett White's. But anyway, um, where was I going with this? Um, I, I guess one of the keys here is AEW's future on in the Warner Brothers Discovery world. I, I would I would watch to see if if they get other additional sports rights that will further crowd TNT and TBS, then maybe AEW gets pushed out, and then that's not good news for AEW because it means their incumbent bidder would have less interest, would see less value in them. So what would that mean? Who what would be the sports properties that that are up between now and 2023, 2024, when they're renegotiating a deal, what are the sports properties that are up for sale that potentially Turner slash WBD could acquire that could crowd out AEW? I don't know if there's much. We know the MLS deal is is expiring, so that's out there. Um, Formula One just signed one, right? I, not that I know of. But oh, okay. So okay. the ones that jump out to me, I could, I could be missing something here. Maybe others can suggest what uh, things that I'm missing? Formula One, UFC, UFC. Okay, um, we'll see. As, as TNT develops further into into a sports network here, uh, and by some indications, they're not interested in in scripted TV in in the David Zaslav regime. Um, because it doesn't make as much sense to have scripted television on linear TV as opposed to streaming. Anyway, um, <clears throat> pay-per-view. It's pay-per-view tonight. Revolution, I don't have anything new <clears throat> beyond uh, Dave's report uh, in the Wrestling Observer from last time. The March 6th, 2022 pay-per-view, AW Revolution, somewhere between 146,000 and 170,000. Uh, that would be, that is, that is a pretty wide margin, uh, but that would be around the range of what full gear did. Uh, I have a discovery to report, uh, not a Warner Brothers discovery, but just a, 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 a lowercase discovery. That um, Google Trends for the search terms AEW PPV, AEW space PPV, um, in the history of AEW pay-per-view at the beginning does not correlate with pay-per-view buys that I've reported in, in, in the chart that we just had on the screen. But beginning in about Double or Nothing 2020, because I think what's happening early on in, in the AEW pay-per-view history is that AEW is a new product. People are searching what I would, what I would call a discovery effect. Wish I had a different word. What I would call a discovery effect that we often see around the debuts of talent, the debut of a company. There's a lot of initial search activity. That creates a lot of noise if you're trying to understand the true mindshare of, of a brand. But about a year in, I think that discovery effect starts to shed away. And what we see, so what I did was I, uh, to get into the, into the weeds of Google Trends, you can, only do, you can only get daily data from Google Trends if you're looking at a query that is nine months or less. So what I did was, so I'm, I'm looking across like a, a couple of years here. So what I did was I did a bunch of different queries that overlap in time. I reconciled them, put them on one scale. And what we see is beginning with Double or Nothing 2020, May of 2020 and forward, these start to correlate pretty strongly to where we get big news r squared break i want all the aggregators to pick this up the r squared for the relationship right aggregators get your pens out the r squared for the relationship 
for Google Trends, for the query, AEW PBV, and pay-per-view buys if we standardize it to 100. The R squared is a 0.90. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, would that be a non a not favorable number? A perfect relationship is a one point zero. Okay, so this is a pretty strong relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I can't tell you. I can't give you a prediction about what you know based on that information, based on those assumptions. What is this pay per view tonight going to do? Don't know because I'm looking at all of this data. So there's there's these big peaks. I don't think we have any examples of it, but the big peak happens on the day of the pay-per-view or the day after the pay-per-view. And that's what I'm measuring against is that big peak. Uh, that peak hasn't happened yet. That peak is happening today or yet or tomorrow. So uh, next week I, I could give you a guess. Uh, hopefully we'll have a real report though. Uh, I'm sure uh, MJF stuff will uh, help it too. Will MJF appear at double or nothing? Or why did MJF no show double or nothing mean green? <laughs> Yeah, that that might distort the the result. It could, yeah. Well, anyway, um, anything else on on AEW pay per view, AEW news, uh, Tony Khan's adventures in media this week? No, no, no nothing too much. Uh, they, I mean, we kind of cover kind of all of it uh, newsworthy this week. But yeah, kind of we'll finish off here with a WWE story and. It was reported this week. Um, I believe Mike Johnson from PW Insider was the one to report it was that Jeff Jarrett uh, was uh, appointed an executive position with WWE. He was uh, hired and it would be to basically be in the live events division. I don't necessarily if he's the head honcho of live events, but he would be a higher up with WWE live events. Interesting move. Um you know, uh, he's got a lot going on right now currently with the podcast, and he was appearing in Game Changer Wrestling. It looks like they were teasing for a, another match with him and Effie. Um, but if that's going to happen, I don't think so at this point. No, I don't, but, I don't think I don't think a W executive is going to go wrestle on an indie show. <laughs> yeah, uh, but as far as the live events, it's I mean they probably are trying to find an increase there, make it more profitable. We know the NXT shows are starting to happen in the Florida loop. And, but does Jeff Jarrett have this tremendous history of great live events? Like his company for the majority of their time ran two venues. Well, go Jeff Jarrett's a very charming man. Yeah. Um, and I imagine he has relationships with live events. Oh yeah, I'm sure he does. But I mean, a lot of years at the Asylum or Universal Studios. I mean, yes, they did take TNA on the road, and at some points it was successful, and some points it was not. Uh, we remember all those those stories and pictures. <laughs> with venues, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th I think, look, you go back to when Jeff Jarrett rolled out GFW, Global Force Wrestling, and he said he had a five-year plan. That was 2017. Now here we are, five years later, and Stephanie's out, Bruce Pritchard's in, Jeff Jarrett's in, okay? Uh, all comes together. A little plan comes together, five-year plan. If WWE starts running baseball stadiums, you know he has a heavy, <laughs> heavy influence. Um, also, too, is it also, is, could he be booking the live events? 
we don't really know because WWE has not publicly announced this yet. This has just been a report uh, from Mike Johnson. So it'll be interesting when there's official public news about it. Uh, I don't know that if comes this is out. something that they're going to put a press release out about, though. No, but Jeff will comment about it on his podcast. Okay. And that's Tuesday. So, so uh, for background, he, he was a producer for a while. Um, at some point, he was no longer a producer. Do you can you ha- can you flesh that out for us? Yeah, it's a, and at some point he was on creative, I guess, for a little bit. Uh, there was a report on that, and then just he slowly fit like he was quietly re- let go. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe I noticed it a few months before that because I off. I noticed there he wasn't really mentioning WWE on social media, and they weren't talking about WWE on his podcast as far as what was going on and all that. But he obviously kept a great relationship with the company, so. Okay, that's. I think that's all we have for this week. Uh, do we have any any super chats to catch up on? Uh, just a, uh, s- a super sticker, uh, which I didn't even know was a thing until until he did it. But we got a super sticker from 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 Ukra. Um, let's see, I could show it there. Yeah, here's the super sticker. Thank you, Urka. I'm sorry, Urka. Urka Ho. Yes. Thank you. Uh, all right. Any anything else to to add to plug? Uh, no, uh, I mean, uh, we'll do our own s- s- individual plugs in a minute, but nothing, nothing really. New. Are you, are you watching the AW pay-per-view tonight? That, I am indefinite on that. And I only say that because I got a lot of garden and housework to do. Okay. If you watch it, will you be watching it through legitimate means? Oh, through Bleacher Report. Of course. Okay. Uh, hit thumbs up. Like. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a nice review. If you're watching, if you're listening on your podcast app, uh, share it, tell somebody about it, uh, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, uh, where I have my TV ratings reports nearly every weekday. I, I guess every weekday. Uh, you get access to the, the data at the, on the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet. Uh, we should have some stuff next month, in the new month. Uh, We'll do some uh, maybe some monthly updates about. We're going to do another. I think we've committed. Yes, I've got you. I've got you under verbal contract. Oh, I, I will be there on that Wednesday. We are going to do another round. Of who's a draw? And I think we're going to do a, a uh, another. This will be for patrons only. I think we can say that now. Uh, the who's a draw will be for patrons only, and we're going we're to do another episode that will look at. A popularity and business update for major companies. So look look for that next month in June. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and supporting uh, in your ears and uh, on on Patreon. Oh, what's this? And a super chat, yes, <laughs> MJ with the last minute super chat. Uh, what's worth more, Doge or GFW Gold? <laughs> I want to meet somebody that actually bought Global Force Gold. <laughs> I don't know if that, that person exists out in the world. But they're making cryptocurrency for everything. You could probably make a GFW gold crypto now. Um, MJF coin, not worth much, but uh, I wonder if that's moving today. Uh, Anyway, it's just the weekend, probably not. Uh, So anyway, yeah, I think that's all. Do you have plugs you want to get? Uh, Just um, you can catch me uh, if you're local to Buffalo area. I'll be doing a stand-up comedy show uh, in Depew, Lancaster on Saturday. And then Sunday, Excite Wrestling, uh, I'll be in... uh, at the uh, X in the um, Johnson City Mall, or wherever they call it, I always forget. I'm there. You will not be here. Show. 
I will not be here. No, uh, I'll be ring announcing that show, which is like an early afternoon. And then if we'll have the latest episode of the Burt Prentice Deep Dive on Rediscovering the Indies out this week as well. Uh, got a lot of great feedback on that. And just check me out, Chris Gullo, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. Outstanding. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, as always, to Post Wrestling for helping us get the podcast out there. Uh, we will talk to everybody next time. Bye.